Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Each week, Andrew Dewing will talk you through the current market, giving you up-to-date information and insider advice. He will also be interviewing a leader in the world of agriculture and finishing up with Farm Chat, which includes his favourite bit, where he tastes beer for free. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and his market report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows is my thoughts or gut instincts of what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market Report for week commencing 11th of March 2019. This morning's a little different in that I'm recording in front of the Doing Grain board. And if there's any noises in the background, I'm going to name names, okay? Um, We'll start with feed wheat. You know how cheerful I was last week and how miserable the market has been. Well, it broke through 160 on the May futures yesterday. That's not a great sign, is it? Either the futures price is wrong or the ex-farm tonnage has ran out because the ex-farm price isn't really moving down anywhere near as much as the futures are. You can still make probably 160 for June ex-farm. And that's really a very high price basis against futures where it normally should be. As I say, if we are going to run out of wheat, I doubt we've done so in March. So something's not quite right and either the ex-farm price is going to take a tumble shortly or the futures will bounce. So we shall see. I'm not expecting a significant futures bounce because futures markets all around the world are plummeting at this point. If you look at charts on the States, uh, especially, they are taking a a cliff dive. So new crop is also suffering. Uh, It's near recent lows. If you could give me a good reason to buy it or to go long of it, I would would listen. Other than it seems too cheap, because that's kind of only relative to recent prices. In fact, prices are still good if you take a longer term view. So I will wait before I buy it or wait before I go long. And as far as you lot are concerned, if you haven't done anything, you must be getting a bit nervous and, and it, it is still a profitable place to trade. And I think in the very short term with the recent rain and the recent weather around Europe and the snow cover in the States and the, and the state of the crop in Russia, I'm looking at David Kidner's face and he's looking really glum. <laughs> so this is how you're going to react. I'm afraid the crop looks absolutely brilliant around the world at this moment. Um, we're waiting for some terrible news to, to make us change our mind. Moving on. Feed barley. Oh dear. Uh, <laughs> that, that was David. It is nominally 130x farm for May. Not looking very healthy. I'm not going to say any more about that because it's just too glum. New crop, 120 delivered for harvest movement. When we, oh, we've said this so many times, we're on repeat here. When we get some clarity on Brexit, we will have half a clue as to whether we can actually export or not. It shouldn't go any lower than that at the moment unless new crop wheat futures really do plummet further. Old crop malting barley has died. We have have got rid of our stocks, our last bits. There's very little trade going on. I'm sure there'll be the odd short in the market who've got a problem with some deliveries and they need to protect a high-priced sale. But there is very little active trade at this moment. So if you've got malting barley left, we've told you before you need to get on with trading it. So hopefully you have. New crop, let's let's say Brexit again, let's say tariff again. If there are tariffs on our exports, theoretically, it could create a 300,000 tonne surplus in the UK because we can't export that surplus to the continent. 
absolutely clueless as to where we are. So we'll wait for Tuesday's vote, which will turn into Wednesday's vote, which will turn into Thursday's vote. And then maybe we'll get a uh, an extension or something on Article 50. But at this moment in time, I can't tell you what, what the outcome of that is going to be, but it is a threat. Spring barley this year is in six weeks earlier than last year. It is in great condition. All of our seed was out by the end of February and uh, there's none of it in the ground last year in February. So the market is looking like it's establishing well or the ground, the, the sown crop is looking good. So at this moment in time, again, that is a bearish prospect. Anyone ready to be cheerful? No? Okay, oilseed rape has recovered from its worst moment. It really has had a, a, a bad week. Saipol, who'd stopped crushing in France, are now back on the pitch crushing again. So that's kind of helped the French price recover a fair bit. And there's also issues with the Chinese not taking Canadian oilseed and the Australian stuff now going to China and not coming into Europe, which in turn means that probably European prices are going to, to recover a little bit. It's got back up to 300 before you get your bonuses. In my opinion, I'm fed up with that crop. I don't think it's going to get to our original dream price of 330. So uh, to me, put it to bed. It, it's March now. They closed the, the, the crushing plants in sort of May, June time. You're running out of time to trade it. If you've got some left to trade, get on with it. It's 300 plus bonuses. Put it to bed. New crop, hold, we think. The crop has got troubles. Up to 15% of the crop in the UK has been ripped up. The acreage is down, as we know. So, yeah, we, we are not in a selling mind on new crop rape. So that's probably the bright spot to finish with this week. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. Crush Foods produces a unique range of single-variety, cold-pressed rapeseed oils. All their seed is grown here in Norfolk. They only press a single variety for its taste and they believe that this is what gives the oil the light, nutty flavour people like. Available in local shops across Norfolk, Suffolk and beyond. Visit crush-foods.com for more information. And now it's time for our feature. Today I have got with me Julian Scott from Clarkson Port Services in Ipswich. Good morning, Julian. Good morning, Andrew. So what I'm trying to do, as you all know, is break down the grain trade and its various aspects brick by brick. I'm trying to take every single aspect of it, take away the mystery and the muck from it, and just say this is a straightforward industry that has got uh, no complexity and everyone can understand every aspect. And you, Julian, what is your job? Well, Andrew, I'm the general manager of Clarkson Port Services, which is located in Ipswich. My my job is to oversee the whole site together with my operations manager, and we're importing and exporting grain and animal feeds. And when you say importing, it's not you physically doing those contracts, trading, selling it? No, that's right. We, we don't own any of the grain. All we're doing is purely handling the cargo for our customers. Okay. So we're charging for tonnes handled. So a, a farmer could phone you up and say I have got 4,000 tonnes of wheat and I've sold it to a Dutchman and I've organised the freight and I've organised all of the aspects of it I just need somewhere to physically put it onto a boat could he phone you up and say will you do that for me he could quite easily do that probably be unusual if a farmer did it and not a merchant but anybody who's got tonnage can ring me up and get a rate 
and put a, a vessel in and get the costs and a DA account from the agent and off we go. Yeah, and, and then and, and in the process, if he said, I'm not really sure what an agent is or I'm not really sure what, um, you know, what a cargo superintendent does or what do I need, if they genuinely had the tonnage and the potential of, of some export going through your facility, you could help, couldn't we, you? Yeah, we could help um, from working out pricing for storage, shipping terms, because we're part of Clarkson's, we've got ac access to uh, chartering departments, brokerage, vessel procurement, anything to do with shipping, we'd know the answer. If I didn't know the answer, someone else would know the answer. Yeah, and, and the point is, it's, it is actually as straightforward as, hello Julian, I'd like to move this, I've, I've got a boat that I know I can sell, can you help me do the rest of it? You could put all the jigsaw pieces in place and it's that easy. Yes, it's, it's almost as easy as booking a taxi, I'd say, because you just need to ring me up and then I'll do the rest of it and sort it out for you. So, everybody, there it is. Simple. You, too, can be an exporting person subject to tariffs, or not tariffs, which leads me on to an obvious question for March, which is where, where we're recording this. Um, Brexit, tariffs, how much export have you got booked for this and next month? Well, this month, just gone, we would have done about 15,000 tonne of exports and about 13,000 tonne of imports. And on the import front, we are seeing a bit of a Brexit bonus. Uh, people trying to get stuff done before the end of March because of purely the Brexit uncertainty. So, so the I mean, the import thing I was going to come on to, so let's, let's touch on that now. Imports are what commodities? Imports are... Historically, we were only allowed to do agri-products, so anything in bulk, soya, um, corn gluten meal, rape meal, things like that. But uh, increasingly, we're doing other bulks. We have done wood pellets, things like that. And I think we could, going forward, do anything we wanted to, subject to, obviously, what the port are going to charge us. Because we, we don't own any of our facilities. We are a tenant of our, our landlord, the port. And does everything come in in great big boats, or can you have stuff on containers? And we do. We prefer stuff in in ships. And my uh, thoughts on it are that if someone brings stuff in containers, generally, if they get a flavour for the business and the customer for the product, then we would look to try and do stuff in bulk. But we can do stuff in twenty foot containers, thirty foot containers, and if push comes to shove, we can do. Well, we we do load stuff into ton bags. But if, if stuff comes, rejects or anything like that, rice, we can take off tonne bags as well. We have forklifts and things like that. So, mm. yeah, anything down to a tonne and anything up to 14,000 tonne. Okay, that's pretty big. Uh, and and when it gets to you've got a big big set of sheds and more than one person using those sheds, how do you allocate the space? Some of my customers retain space on a, an area, a method and they pay for what they the space they retain other customers pay pence per ton per ton, uh, day basis and there's a bit of a mix of, of what we do but generally i i work it out my bigger customers obviously take and retain space they know where they're going and then my other customers uh, just ring me up i've got a ship for you can you fit it in yes or no and generally the answer is yes and worry about it later. <laughs> is uh, how many of the grain trade are particularly precious about their their stuff being separate? Uh, I think I have to be careful what I say, of course. <laughs> but um, some customers, uh, with the exception of say feed wheat and feed barley, if it's milling wheat and things yeah. like that, rapeseed, you've got to keep it separate. But 
if uh, it depends how desperate they are for the space. If there's a lot of pressure for the space, then there might be a bit of uh, uh, collaboration, should we say? Well, bluntly, Phoebe is Phoebe. It's not very complex, is it? I've, I've, I've been going into. We, we go to Lower Stoft because it's it's a haulage issue for us. Ipswich is 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 further away. An extra one fifty two pound haulage from our farms makes the difference. So we we go to Lower Stoft, and we've we've had stock sharing issues in the past um as, as time's gone on there's less merchants to share with anyway um but it is a very uh you know some people are particularly precious about it and other people are a little bit more realistic about the fact it is just feed wheat and a figure that 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 port service is actually they can manage to keep the two things uh counted if you like your your knowledge obviously you have to have a knowledge of commodities you know i can remember Lots of years ago, working with you. Well, I did a little bit with Allied Grain. Allied Grain, that was it. Allied Grain. My father used to work for Allied Grain. That's so it. that's I remember. That's where my sort of grain then, connection is. And my grandfather worked for British Sugar, so I was going to do something along those lines. Yeah. No. Well, the point is that you have to have knowledge about how different kilowatts go together, mm. how to get the right spec, and what what to put with what. It is a is a kind of a known thing with people in agriculture but if you came in from the outside it's it's harder to learn isn't it yeah i think some people come in they can't when we have visitors come on site they don't really appreciate how much space we have got we've probably got about forty-five thousand ton of space they don't appreciate the space and they don't obviously there's a high value to the stuff to the commodities and uh they don't always appreciate what it is and where it's going and they don't they don't even know what it is when they look at it no. so it's quite interesting especially you know some of the farmers are okay but um, there's no wheat, barley, beans and rapeseed but when it's corn, gluten meal and sunflower and extractions and um, soya beans and lupins and it's, yeah, it's, it's lots to learn lots to learn uh, Yeah, I, I always remember a story, I won't say the store and I won't say the farmer but there was a, a farmer of ours who was getting on a bit uh, in years and he um, turned up at one of our stores and we had a rape store and we had a wheat store and uh, he backed up his wheat <laughs> into the rape <laughs> and uh, duly waved everybody and drove off and weighed himself out and uh, only then did they realise that he'd gone into the wrong shed and there was this big yellow patch in there and he uh, was such a nice guy that we, we but it, it, that as, a, as a, um, a management issue with your exceedingly large numbers of different things in there must be, must be a worry all the time. Yeah, we do. I do wonder sometimes. Uh, lorry drivers know what they've got on, but when they back up to a shed, um, we, sometimes we do have wheat tipped on barley, or we have the wrong stuff tipped in the wrong shed because we uh, maybe even someone's shed that's nothing to do with us because we've got several shed seventeens on the port and things like that. So lorry driver, oh, that's my shed. I'll just back in there. And I say yeah. it's. And we've had a. I think we've had a load of wheat tipped in a fertilizer store before now. Oh, great. So um, you've got to keep on your toes and you. At the end of the day, it, most problems are sortable. You've just got to get them quick enough because the same thing applies when we're loading boats because sometimes we have up to three grades on a boat. So we can have wheat, three grades of wheat or we can have wheat, barley. Uh, I think we did wheat, barley and sugar beet pellets. In separate holds. In separate holds. So um, you need to have... As long as everybody knows what the plan is, it should work. It's when people you don't tell people what's going on. Because yeah. you've got to you've got to identify where where it's going to go wrong first and work it back the other way. I find so when we're loading a boat, we have a stowage plan from the master of the ship. So he'll give a copy to us. We'll have a look at it. We'll work out the stowage factor, which is the density of the grain. We'll work out how much he's going to take. He'll have told us as well, but we'll check as well. Uh, perhaps in conjunction with the superintendent, 
Uh, and then once we've got this plan arranged, I'll give it to the guys who are actually manning the elevators so they know exactly what they're supposed to be doing. So the front the front of the boat is actually the pointed end. I have to make that clear to a lot of them sometimes, but anyway. Yeah, well, it's, those are the things, aren't they, the obvious things. I, I, I mean, hopefully you're all getting this, this, actually, we could do that. Ten of us got together and put uh, subject to no tariffs on UK exports in the future. Why, why on earth do I need to go through a merchant? Let's just find someone to buy it in Holland and, and get on with it. But but hopefully some of the mystery is 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 disappearing um i've got to say my experience of of working with cargoes and 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 more importantly the people uh driving those ships whatever they call them sailing those ships um the really colorful side of life comes out so you must have some really good stories about some of your captains or crew we we've had several uh, interesting scenarios and issues over the years. I think we're finding, uh, since uh, some of these sort of atrocities that, that have happened around the world, that everything's a bit tighter with shipping and IMO numbers on ships. But we've had ships come in where the captain's or someone's been drunk at the wheel and hit the side of the quay. <laughs> um, we've had ships where they've the ferry's gone past and all the ropes have broke and the, the, the ship's gone loose because the ropes are of poor quality. Um, we've also had several Russian ships that uh, have historically been used as river craft that really shouldn't go anywhere away from the coastline and they've come over with grain. So imagine your ship and you've got the accommodation in the middle and a hold either end and that's the sort of ship we've had. And we've had a ship like that come in and the uh, the captain of the ship was complaining that my elevator guys didn't like his ship and he told me, my ship is not garbage. <laughs> Had someone told him it was garbage? Well, it was. It did the job, but it looked a, a, a weird thing. And a couple of times we've had uh, cattle transporters loaded with animal feed right. for for discharging. And some of the older ships have got multiple decks, which are like you have a triple deck system. Right. So you can have boards that you put in, but obviously if you're taking the boards out to fill it all up, you've still got all these ledges. So the the discharge of the ship is is a, oh, a, a complete pain. So. What we like is a nice one-holded ship with straight sides, box section, about 10 years old, and we're good to go. So have you ever had uh, like crews that the, 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 you know, the boat is loaded, the, the tide is up, and they're, they're trying to find ways to stay in Ipswich for another night or something like that? Does that happen? Oh, definitely, yeah. It's a regular feature, especially on a Friday if they're trying to... <laughs> even the captain might say, oh, I don't want to go, don't want to go. He knows he has to go, but if it starts raining... On a Monday, if it's just spitting, he might open the ship. On a Friday, if it's just spitting, oh, no, it's raining, we can't work. And we're trying to get the stuff out out of the shed and get the boat done. We might want the berth for Monday as well. So we've got maybe another customer who's lined all his lorries up, collecting from your farms, coming down to the the quayside on Monday. And then that will have to be cancelled. I'll have to run around trying to find somewhere to put it in the shed. So yeah, and no, I, I can remember over the over the many many years. I remember it, it, way back to my Dalgetty days and loading out of Yarmouth in, on the East Quay. Um, I can remember that the, the Russian the Russian crews not wanting to go anywhere, especially if it was the weekend, and, and they were they were a rough and ready lot. And Brexit has definitely increased imports leading up to it. Definitely, but none of us can do anything until we know, and it's now March. No, I think we are facing a, a, a or approaching a rather a cliff edge at the moment. But obviously, nothing's set in stone, and we don't really know what we're doing. No, I mean, will there be any export in April? No, probably not, because the because the contracts would have been set before, and it isn't going to happen. Yeah, I think I think we're going to see a bit of a, a gap, but um, everybody's upbeat about 
the forthcoming harvest and everybody's saying, you know, we, as long as we get some rain, well, I think so, we're going to be good. You're very optimistic. You're, you're absolutely right. It, it is a perfect harvest at this point. There is Everyone's talking about drought, but at this precise moment in time, the crop we're trading is in perfect condition. Yeah, perfect condition, yeah. And so we're going to get that rain every every week we need it. And it's going to be the biggest crop. Yeah, and we just want an exportable surplus of about uh, one and a half to two million tonnes and we'll be happy. Yeah, so one and a half million tonnes, how much of that will go through you? Or in a good year, probably 200,000, 300,000, something like that. In 2010, we did half a million tonnes. Wow. Um, But as a general rule of thumb, we're exports somewhere around three to 400,000 and imports. We were about 100,000, dipped down a bit, but now we're finding that's pulling up again. Okay. Well, I I mean, from your perspective, I hope sincerely that that happens. From a farmer perspective, I hope you get a bumper crop for them would be good. Just means the price will come down, doesn't it? But that, in the end, is not so relevant because... If you've got a bigger yield, they're still still happy. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's 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 uh, leave it on that note. Let's say thank you very much, Julian. Let's all hope for a bumper harvest. Thank we you, all Andrew. need it. And uh, yeah, appreciate uh, hoodwinking you today unexpectedly to do a podcast. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Cheers, bye. Bye bye. Now it's time for Farm Chat. So we've got no Webby or Andrew this week and I'm being joined by Joe. Hello. Before we get on to the banter, we're going to start with the infamous beer part of the segment. Uh, we're going to be trying a beer called Alan's Ale, Joe. Yep. Well, I think it was a sort of celebrate, uh, was it 11 years or 10 years of Alan at Munson's, a managing director. So we've uh, been very sneaky here and grabbed hold of a... A glass. Nice. Okay, so this is a, a an English pale ale. Nice uh, colour. Nice colour. Yeah. Oh, that's actually very drinkable. Yeah, not too bad. Well, the interesting thing about this beer is that uh, it's now being followed on with a brewery called Humberdusi, which um, Alan is opening, and Alan's one of our directors. And uh, I think the Humberdusi brewery could be uh, a very interesting concept. Yeah, I think it sounds really interesting. He's sort of looking into the sort of alternative, not necessarily sort of the the fruity numbers, I don't think, but more uh, looking at sort of more traditional grains that can go into the beer, which it sounds really interesting. Yeah, uh, that's certainly one to watch, and I think we need to uh, everyone needs to keep an eye out for Humberdusi beers coming to a, a pub near you. Anyway, right, let's move on to uh, a bit of banter, and we're going to talk about technology, Joe. Yes. And something specific to our hearts, while Andrew and Ian aren't here, and Josh, is the constant debate in our office about Apple and Android. Yes, well, you know what we think about the uh, the dark side. Well, I'd like you to defend Apple, Joe. No, I can't. Okay, I'll defend Apple. It's a very simple logo. Yes, it is. Made for a group of people that like following <laughs> Fruit. It, it's an interesting one in that the split in our office is probably 50% have Android, 50% have Apple. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah. Ian and Josh are constantly telling us as Android yeah. users how backward we are. Ian's more blinded. Josh actually is quite sensible. He, he really does have an open view about it. He does see that there are potentials with Android, but he sticks with his Apple. I think it's no. He knows it. That's he doesn't want to break from that. But Ian, Ian's just blinded by um, what Joe marketing blurb. He doesn't quite get it. When asked the difference between Wi-Fi and 4G, he was very confused yesterday. He'll get there in the end. 
He's bought, he's gone he's gone so far so he's he's got himself a Samsung TV and he appreciates that. The main bit of technology that we were going to sort of have a look at was this um the famous Alexa system. Yes, now both of us have got young children and both use it quite often. It can be well we find it really useful in the house, you know, really good fun, great for music and things and used as a sort of encyclopedia. Excellent um, for encyclopedia. I mean, I find myself in front of my children saying, Alexa, how far is the Earth from the moon? And Alexa will tell me. And I, I sit there and look at my two children and they just then turn around and go, Alexa, play the fart song, yeah. which um, yeah, kind of undermines the, the use of technology. Yeah, it's abusing it, really. The only thing I think sometimes it gets a little bit worrying is we sort of like literally are emptying our brain with any knowledge at all because we just rely on Alexa or Siri. It is sometimes a little bit. But then there are other darker sides that I feel quite strongly about, I think. With the, okay, this is the monitoring side, you think? This is the yeah, big but You see, brother. I've asked Alexa, are you recording my conversations? Yeah, well, deny, deny, deny. Well, and she did. She said, no, I'm not permitted to do this. It's impossible. It just doesn't work out. So, well, Joe, you're very, very cynical. Oh, I am. Yeah. I, so I, you're convinced that these things are in our homes listening to us? Well, they have to be listening to us to actually work how they work. I don't know. I just sometimes think people are a bit naive to think it's just there and it can't be used in other ways at a later stage or something. How I understand it works is they have a, a sort of a wake word, obviously. Someone says Alexa and that's yeah. it. But by the nature of it, they have to be listening, you know, for the Alexa word. So from what I understand, it works on a constantly recording a, a one, you know, like a second long snippet of information. And then if it doesn't come across the wake word, it sort of discards it again. So it goes round and round and round and round. You know, we have ours in the kitchen. I think I'd go a bit mad if I had it in the bedroom. I think that would be a bit weird. I think we're slightly behind. When you read up online and, and see how far like the Americans have gone with the Echo and the various other sort of alternatives, you see that they've got it all over the place. I mean, all parts of their house, everything, controlling their house. So, okay. you know, turn the lights off, turn the lights on, do all kinds of... I mean, it's not just in one room, it's all around the house, which, again, it could be really, really helpful, especially for, like, people elderly or something like that. They could, like, ask for them to do X, Y, Z. That's true. Really, really, really helpful. But I'm a dinosaur, Joe. I am a total... All I do is I say, Alexa, play Radio 4. Yeah, well, I wouldn't and, go that far. But, um, but, but these things, I mean, they're going to have a bigger impact in our lives, as you say. There's good and bad, isn't there? Well, I mean, it's like, you know, following on from what um, Andrew Fern said last week on the podcast you know, about the whole club card and sort of the big brother, there's really good aspects to it. People are sort of thinking to outwit them. I think you've got to use it, embrace it. But at the same time, it's the monitoring, the sort of, to some extent, people accept it might be a benefit to all of us that you know, everyone knows a little bit more about us, our habits, and so trying to put the right yeah. thing in front of us and direct what we actually want and what we don't want. You know, are we getting stuff put in front of us that sort of the next thing, they think we want this because we liked that before. And so That's you true. sort of get sort of led down the garden path, maybe, I don't know. But it's it's sort of yeah it, it doesn't lead us to have sort of sometimes a bit more of an open mind about stuff. Okay, what well, like using an Apple phone? Y- yeah, exactly. Open minded. Exactly. Yeah, open minded. Yeah, and and obviously embracing Android as well. Well, yeah, I mean that's people have already not realised probably <laughs> that they've got an Amazon and that's pretty much Google related and therefore moving on Android. So, but of course it's interesting because we're seeing who are we? Yeah, causing huge ripples across the world. Yeah. 
and uh, this is this is a, a fascinating company. Yeah. And the debate there is: Does the guy that own it, you know, is he giving all our data to the Chinese government? He was a you know a Communist Party member, but yeah. it's debatable whether he still is. It's amazing, isn't it? Because we're now talking about technology, but then we obviously deep down the the ripples of the effects of this are obviously getting into our market. I mean, yeah. We don't even realise it, but you know, talking to we were talking about this a few days ago, how. The impact of what's done to Canada, China are not interested in obviously buying anything from Canada, i.e. Yeah. Uh, canola, and the impact on trade war, etc., etc., etc. So you can suddenly, in a very sort of domestic way, we look at our what's going on in our homes and the big brother, but do we actually think that actually it's it's impacting like the market that we're very, sitting in. Very good point, Joe. Yeah, you know, we saw we saw the guy that owns it, his his daughter placed under house arrest. Next thing you know, China aren't importing canola from Canada. Crazy, really. Yeah. But anyway, the main thing is that technology actually has a good impact on our lives, and I would say that impact's probably more positive if you're using Android devices. Yeah, it's really it is really positive. We've just got to be a bit sharper, but yeah, great fun to use. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they're released. Dew and Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, we can supply you with the best strategies to help you achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Call now on 01263 731 550 or email info at dewandgrain.co.uk or follow us on Twitter. We are at Grain. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by Tin Shed Productions in conjunction with East Coast Design Studio. 